Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to speak to you today, and I have my title sounds a little dark, um, which is not good for a rainy day, but trust me, my message is not dark. But uh, I'm entitled this message, The Walking Dead. I told you it was dark. I told you it was dark, The Walking Dead. For those of you that do not know that, that is a, as a TV show called The Walking Dead. I, I have not watched one of those shows, and I'm not saying that to try to sound spiritual. It just doesn't sound really exciting to me. So, uh, but it does sound like a good title for where I'm at today. We have an epidemic in the church that I am noticing not, necess- not just within this body, although it's here also, but within the body of Christ as a whole, there's this epidemic, there is this something among us that shouldn't be, and that is this. We are, have so many folks carrying their past mistakes, carrying things that are in their yesterdays, that we absolutely know that Jesus has the power to deliver. We absolutely know that. That's why I say we're walking. We're believers. We're in the house of God. We're walking. We're moving. But we're walking dead because we are carrying with us a condition. We're carrying with us something that the enemy is patient with, and that is he doesn't mind you being a believer as long as you're not a delivered believer from your yesterdays and your past. But we know God has the ability. Amen? He has the ability. But a lot of times we, we feel like zombies because we are carrying so many yesterdays, so many things, so many failures, so many issues, whatever. And I want to address that today and try to minister to you the best that I can today with the Spirit of the Lord on me to to try to see. I want some of those things to be eradicated from your life. I I would be curious. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I will say at the end of the first service this morning, I asked everyone to just raise their hand if they are dealing with something in their past, a failure, a mistake, an addiction. Man, it can be a multitude of things that we're dragging along with us, and we know God has the power. We know God has the ability of forgiveness and all of those things, but we're carrying something on our back. We're moving. We're moving, but we just don't feel alive in God. If that's you today, I'm talking to you today. I'm speaking to your life today. And I would say uh, this morning at the end of the service, probably, I don't know, like 80% of the crowd lifted their hands. And I bet it's the same way because we have this epidemic in the church that we know God is able, but 
we are not allowing him to take that off of our back. The ancient Roman emperors were known for hideous types of punishment. When they brought punishment down on people, they were, they were just hideous. It was, in fact, you know Jesus was crucified under the Roman law, and so it was a Roman type of punishment that was brought on Jesus at crucifixion, which was absolutely hideous. It was disgusting the way they would treat the human man. And I I read about some of the ways that they treated people, even when they were convicted or whatever, for their crime, the things they would do. I was reading that, some of that even last night, and it's just absolutely unbelievable. But there was, there is one particular way that legend says that the Roman Empire would use to punish a murderer. And this way was that they would take the corpse of the man or the woman, whatever it may be, that was murdered, and they would put it on the back of the murdered man and chain or tie that person to that man, woman, whatever it may be. And under the penalty of death, no one was allowed to remove off of the back that dead man or dead woman. They were not able to remove because if so, then they would take the penalty of death. It was, it was as if it was a uh, a capital murder charge or a death sentence upon the murderer to say, you're not going to be in prison, but we're going to attach this dead thing to you that you took the life of, and we're going to attach it to you, and the process plays out, and the man becomes condemned within himself. Wow. I... Uh, I want to kind of flesh this out in some form of a, a little bit of action here, uh, just a minute, and just kind of give you a picture. Is there anybody that would, that would help me? Anybody that would help me? Uh, Faith? Uh, well, I need, I need either two men or two women. Bobby, come here just a minute. Since you're standing up and you just wanted to be a part of this. Richard, you raised your hand. Come here just a minute. And let me, let me show you what's going on here. Richard, stand here. I'm not going to ask you to carry Bobby. Come here just a second. I'm not going to ask you to carry Bobby, but I do want you all to act it out. So turn, turn your back to him and just kind of put your arms on him. And, and, and you don't have to, Bobby. Uh, and you, don't, you can stand up because I may preach this for a minute. So. But what happens is, is that you've got a process going on here. Bobby, you're supposed to be dead. All right. (laughs) And he's carrying him because he took his life. And what happens is, this is why this man is condemned. He's a convict, but he's not in prison, but he's got a death sentence on him. And this is why it's a death sentence, because as this man that is tied to him begins to, I'm going to just get kind of, draw you a picture here. It's kind of rough. He begins to rot. And the fluids begin, he begins to break down and the flesh begins to break down. 
And I know this is inspiring you for lunch. But what happens is the fluids and the breakdown of this man's flesh begin to seep into the body of this man. It begins to attach itself to him and begins to work itself through his flesh into his bloodstream. And now this dead man begins to infect with disease the living man. Powerful, isn't it? Hor- horrible, hideous, hideous sentence placed on this convict, this condemned man. And the body begins to decompose and infiltrates the condemned man and disease begins to operate and the bloodstream begins to take over and destroy itself from the disease that are attaching itself and the putrid odor that this man must carry would surely take away his appetite. The words that Paul uses, I hope you see something you've never seen in the Word of God based on the context of what's going on in the Roman Empire. Listen to this. Paul sees something and he gives reference to something that I am laying out to you in, in this, this act here with Richard and Bobby. The words of Paul in this passage bring to mind this gruesome practice of carrying around a dead body, much like a man that is condemned. It is as if Paul is saying something dead was strapped to the back and accompanied him wherever he went, he wrestled with this. And we get this crazy text in Romans chapter 7, and we, and we get, and I've preached from this text before around it, where it talks about where Paul is saying, I'm in a wrestling match. I got all kind of, I would to do and this, and, but I don't do this. And you know the text, it's, it's almost hilarious what's going on with him. But then he stops in Romans chapter 7 in verse 24 and makes this declaration from him that ties us into what I'm talking about right here. When he says this, Romans 7, 24, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. I'm stinky, I'm nasty, I'm putrid. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he's tying in what he knows is going on in the history of that time. And Paul was expressing something He was expressing the experience of every believer that even in this day and hour, we we long for life and we long for spiritual life and existence and health and strength. And Paul's in this wrestling match with this dead thing hanging on his back. It's chained to him. Paul is the guy that wrote, I'm gonna say the majority of the New Testament. I mean, this guy 
He's, he's, he's got some things going for him, but he's saying in chapter 7, I've got a wrestling match going on with something tied to my back. There's my yesterdays, my failures, my struggles. I'm in a wrestling match with, with this thing in my flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who, who, is there anybody out there? Is there anything out there that would deliver me from this body of death that is attached to me? And Paul then discovers, he closes out chapter 7, and it's this, again, this wrestling match with the putridness of what's on him. And then he goes into chapter 8, and between 7 and 8, he finds the antidote. Whoo, man. He finds the antidote for what's attached to his back and what he's fleshing out in chapter 7. He finds the antidote in verse 8, and he says this. He starts it off right at the beginning. Romans chapter 8, verse, in fact, hold on, hold on, before we go there. If you haven't read Romans chapter 8, you have got to read Romans chapter 8. I'm going to just tell you from the heart of a pastor, it's probably, I think, the best chapter in the Bible. It's, 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 and it's, you know, I know the whole Bible's amazing. Romans chapter 8 is so rich, it's unbelievable. I wish I could just read the whole thing to you. But let me read this part. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he finds the antidote for what's going on on him. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says this, so there, now there is no, say it with me, condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. He finds the antidote, and the antidote in chapter 8, verse 1, he discovers and he says this, I know what it is that's going to take care of the dead man on my back, and the antidote is Jesus. It's Jesus. And so he says, so there, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-given spirit, look here, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. He's fleshing out in verse 2. He's doing something. He is looking at the dead man on his back. And he said, there is one thing that's going to get him off the back, and that is Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-given spirit, there is something in you that has freed you from the power of sin that leads to the death. And so I'm going to deliver you from that. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. That is four amazing scriptures. But what those scriptures are saying, if I can unpack that for you, is this. There is only one that can get the dead man off 
you back. And that is this. We have, we have, we've tried a gazillion things. We've tried education, and I believe in education. We've tried money, and every one of us believe in making money. We've tried every single thing we've do. We've tried to educate our way to get it off our back. We've tried to get money and get rich to get off everything we know to do to try to get the dead man off our back. But he's saying this. There is one thing that will get off your back. Jesus is the only one that can come and lift the dead man off of your back. And when you do, all of a sudden, you have a newfound freedom in the delivering power of what Jesus did for you. See, I'm going to speak in the Holy Ghost and tell some of you, you are fighting a dead man on your back and you are not going to get victory in God until you let Jesus Christ and what he did for you reach around, grab hold of the dead man and get it off your back. And what happens if you don't do that, you're a walking dead man because you're a convict. When you, hear me, and I think this will make sense to you. When you put the dead man on the back of this man, come up here for just a second. When you put the dead man on the back, I'm going to, that this man is condemned. The weight of this man on the man that's condemned, I'm going to call that condemnation. Is that all right? Does that make sense? So this man is carrying condemnation. Everywhere he goes, he's a condemned man, he's a convict, he's got a life penalty sentence, and he's got condemnation. Everywhere he goes, he feels his failure. Everywhere he goes, he feels his mistake. He feels his mess up. But all of a sudden, Jesus says, I don't have time for that. I've got to get this off of this man's back. And Jesus broke it. And Paul says, i got to tell you, you need to understand when you get the knowledge that Jesus Christ is not the one condemning you, it's hell itself, it's the devil. Jesus Christ is not in the condemning business. Jesus Christ is in the convicting business. And when he convicts you, He's doing so to tell you how to get the dead man off. But condemnation is from the devil. And what he does is every time you start to get freedom, the devil comes along, picks you up. No, I'm not even going to try, buddy. Picks you up and tries to get it back on your back again. And you know what we're doing? Even as Christians, we're saying, well, it's just my lot in life. I just got to do it. It's my penalty. And it becomes the penance and we feel like somehow, and pay, I'm preaching to somebody, paying for the mistake that we've done. But what you don't understand is what these verses fleshed out in verses 1 through 4. He said, this is the deal. Jesus Christ stepped in and became your sacrifice, and he took on the dead man. Now, what happens is, when the dead man got on his back, he became the pureness of who he is, the glory of who he is. A man who has never, I'm preaching to somebody, the man who has never sinned all of a sudden took on sin, took on condemnation and said, I got this. I'm going to carry this to the cross. And they beat his back and they whipped his back. 
and they put him on a cross. But on that cross, he gave his life to set you free by the power of his sacrifice. Hallelujah. Somebody stand and give your Lord a shout of praise. Come on, stand up and give the Lord. He set you free by the power of who he is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is what I want you to do. I want you to throw your hands up and praise God for taking the dead man off your back. Come on, shout to the Lord. He took it off for you. I said he took it off for you. Now let's let's do this one more time. Let's throw, let's, let's 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 however you worship, let's worship again. But this time I want you to worship with something dead off your back and newfound liberty, newfound freedom, newfound peace, because you were convicted, but now you are set free. The sentence has been lifted. You're not gonna die with the condemnation of your fa- of your failure on your back, but now you go skipping out of the prison saying, I'm free, and Jesus took your place. I think it's worth lifting our hands and saying, to God be the glory. To, to God. Now, now, some of you have your hands up for different reason than the other ones have your hand up. Some of you've got an addiction that, 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 that was in your past that you've let hang. Some of you've got failure. Some of you've got fear. Some of you've got all different kinds of things. Every one of us have got our hands lifted for a different reason. But we all know this. I got my hands up. It may have a different issue back there, but the fact that I've got my hands up for the reason that Jesus Christ has set me free. Now, now listen, people walk into our style churches that we were, we lift our hands and we praise our God and they look at it like, boy, they're idiots and they're crazy and they're uneducated and all that bull. No, 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 that's the deal. That's not the deal. I'm not uneducated. I'm educated on, on what Jesus Christ did for me and my response to him is based off of the education that he lifted. He lifted. He lifted. So we sing songs like this. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me. Watch this. My soul cries out. Come on, say it. Praise God for what? For saving me. Make fun of me all you want to, but maybe you hadn't been a convict like I have. But he set set me free. You may be seated. Y'all two just stay real close right here. Thank you. What happened between seven and eight? It's Jesus. Paul understood now. Between seven and eight, I don't have to fight this any longer. 
I don't have to wrestle in the night with this any longer. Man, I feel so much of the Lord right now. As the condemned man was set free from the burden of the murdered victim by the death of the one who removed the corpse from his back, so also are we set free by what Jesus did by dying in our place. And in order to resist sin, we have to understand it and we need to make sure that we see ourselves and what Jesus did for us. It helps us to realize that our sins have been forgiven when we see where we were, what was attached to me, and that it has been taken off of my back. It stops me from being a walking dead man. Stops me from being a spiritual zombie. That I'm here in spirit, or I'm here in flesh, but I'm not in here in spirit. I want to speak to you just for a few minutes, and I want you to hang with me because I'm laying some groundwork, but listen to this. On the cross, Jesus freed us from sin's penalty. I want you to say that with me. Say the whole sentence. On the cross, Jesus freed us from sin penalty. Everybody say, he has freed us. It's a past statement that by the cross, that Jesus freed us from sin's penalty. Now listen to this. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is delivering me in the present from my practicing sin. All right? And in the future, in his second coming, he sets me free from the presence of sin. We're going to be in a place called heaven and there will be no sin there. So I got three things going on. I've got it's all three tenses. It's the past tense, the present tense, and the future tense. The past, he took the dead man off of me at the cross. In the present tense, he puts his spirit in me to continue to box the zombie every time it tries to attack itself and try to attach itself to my life. And then in my future, he eradicates it so I don't have to be around it anymore. In other words, I have been delivered. I'm being delivered. And I shall be delivered. I have been delivered. I'm being delivered. Are you with me? And I shall be delivered. That's why when I look at the has delivered me, the past, we read scriptures like this that come alive to us that says this, surely he has borne our griefs. He's borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. And by, watch this, by his stripes, we are healed. Do you see that scripture in the light of what I'm preaching? He's saying this, I picked it up off of you so that you can have healing that the mucus and the fluids of the dead thing attaching itself don't become a destroying factor for you 
but I'm going to allow you to be healed, and I'm going to carry your stuff. He has healed you. I am being delivered in the presence, and he shall deliver me in the future. God delivers us in all three tenses. Now, the reason I'm saying all this is because that is the gospel. That is the truth. And so when issues come up against me and, and, and condemnation tries to come up against me, that is bringing up your past. Watch this. My past, y'all come back up now. When my past come right, right back up here. And all of a sudden, so here comes the past and it starts trying to attach itself. Now, now I'm going to tell you this. I'm preaching on all this and I believe it wholeheartedly. But I'm also in an understanding that the devil don't care what you believe. He don't care what you've got going on in your head if it hasn't seeped into your heart. And so we often let condemnation reattach itself back to us when there is no need to. And we'll, we'll go around praying for God. We'll spend our time, our spiritual existence, Praying for God, forgive me, God. Forgive. When, when, when did you do that? Well, oh, 20 years ago, I was back in high school and I did, and I just can't let it go. I know you can't let it go. I've got understanding on that, but I'm telling you, you don't have to let it go. I'm gonna take it off of you. Everybody say, I have been. Past tense. So when the enemy comes and tries to attach itself, and he does this through speaking in the ear. You turn around and say, I have been delivered. I have been delivered. And he goes, all right. I understand Jesus did that for you. And so condemnation moves into the present. And it starts bringing up current things that you're wrestling with. And it starts attaching. And you raise your hand and say, he is delivering me. And the enemy says, all right, well, then I'll get down into your future. <laughs> and the future starts attached. This future is out there, and you say, man, I'll tell you what, I can get deliverance from my past, deliverance in my present through the power of the Spirit. But, boy, when I start to move into my future, I know the enemy's waiting on you. Fooey on that mess. Because Jesus is saying, I got your future covered just like I had your present. And your Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. So everywhere that the condemnation comes up, your past, your present, and future, God's already got you covered through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you got to quit just, not just, just it being a mental ascent to you, but a spiritual thing that you grab hold that every time the enemy whispers into your name, you raise up the antidote and say, not in this house. In the name of in the name of Jesus, in the name of Je Guys, y'all are doing so good. I'm just beating you up, hitting on you, slapping. You'll be all bruised up tomorrow, but you won't forget you've been set free. God bless you. God, everybody says, y'all may be seated. Everybody says, he has delivered. Everybody say, he is delivering. Everybody say, he shall deliver. Now, I'm going to drive you crazy with this because I'm going to bury it in your brain. He has
Why is this important? Because we got an epidemic of walking dead men. And you've got to understand the power of what Christ has done, he's doing, and he's going to do. He has. So if you forget all this message and you don't remember any of it, when the enemy starts attacking you with that same old junk, I want you to say, wait a minute, he he Give the Lord a shout of praise. Can you do that? Come on up, Scott. He has delivered, he is delivering, and he shall deliver. But I'm going to tell you this. Jesus was coming through the upper coast, and he was, he was moving into an area, or excuse me, Paul, I said Jesus. Paul was moving into an area that he had not been to on his missionary journey. And when he got to that area, now this is the man that wrote that Romans 7 and 8. He gets there and he, he sees some people that are believers. And I love that the Bible calls them believers. They're, they're church folks. But they have half of the story that's going to bring them deliverance, but they don't have all of the story, and that doesn't make them bad people. He still calls them believers, and I, I absolutely love them. So Paul says, understanding that it's not just enough to have the back covered, I got to have the Spirit to help me in the present and in the future. He makes this declaration to some folks when he walks up, and I can see him, see him walking in this area. Scriptures are pretty clear about how it happens. And he says, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? King James says, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? And he asked, he asked them that. And they said this, no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I don't even know, I, I've never even heard of the Holy Ghost. I don't even know, what, what are you talking about? And so John is fleshing it out here. Verse 3, then what baptism did you experience? Paul says. And they replied, the baptism of John. Well, that's awesome, man. You're believers. What, what, did, what did John teach? Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. You can't stop it believing. You've got to get the antidote for the next step to take place. In other words, you can get sin off of your back, but sure as the world, it'll move into the present and the future for you unless you do the rest of the story. I love that you're believers, but you're missing something, and I want to talk to you about it. John's baptism, sure, John was a forerunner of Christ. He was a setup for Christ. He was leading the people on everything he knew at the time, and that's beautiful. I'm proud. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They said, hey, man, where, where's the water at? I got to go get dumped in Jesus' name. I got I to gotta do it right now. We, we got to do this right now. If that's you today, we'll warm up the water in the sanctuary and we'll go do a dunking party. All right? 
and we'll even give you a t-shirt. But as soon as I heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Spirit came on them and they began to speak in other tongues. What's going on here? It's more than believing. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? In other words, there's more of the story than just getting the past taken care of through repentance. You gotta get the presence satisfied and taken care of that the Spirit rises up and says, no longer in this house. This house is occupied. It's not vacant. It's not just a believer. It has an experience to show that I'm on board to protect my child and the spirit is raising its fist and saying, not in this house. This house is occupied by the spirit of the Lord. And so we want to, a lot of time in Christianity to have this mental ascent that we're believers. And that is beautiful and it's a beautiful step to take on. But the fact of the matter is, you can't have the past present victory unless you have the spirit on board with you to make sure that the present is taken care of just like the past was taken care of and the future is made sure that it's clear for you to move into the tomorrows that Jesus Christ has for you. Would you stand with me? And when, when you stand up, I want you to just say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for filling me with your spirit I can't make it without your spirit. I need you. I, I thirst. I hunger for you. I need you right now. Now, this is what I want to happen. This is what I want to happen today. I preach really short today. I preach really short today. But I, I, got, I, I don't know how else to say this, but I am sick and tired of the devil playing old games with us. Is that all right? He's playing old games with us, and we're just the suckers for it, man. We're just like, oh, come on, get on. Get on. In a few weeks we pre- a few weeks ago, we shake it off. We did all that. Just right back. Well, I shook it off, but get back on. And I can't ever get dot two. I can't ever get freedom. I, I can't ever get out of chapter seven. I'm sick of are you sick of I hate the putrid smell of something dying on me I've got to get life I've got to get life in the name of Jesus Christ and I am tired of the devil lying condemning you weighing you down you need to get you a new song in you that says, get the dead man off my back. I was riding yesterday, this thought was wearing me out. I had about an hour drive and I started singing the country version of, get the dead man off my back. I don't know if you do the rap version or the rock version or whatever you do, but, but, but you've got to start singing that and believing in your spirit that it's gone.
and then you got to get the spirit on board of you. Can I, I? I don't know if I've ever said this, but some of us need to start having God, spiritual, Holy Ghost moments every day. I mean every day. I don't care if you get in your devotion and you don't even feel the Lord. I'm talking about starting intently pray and do whatever. Jesus, I can't do this without your spirit. I'm going to face temptations today. I'm going to face struggles today. I need you to break the power of sin for me.